week I have a fun special guest. I'm excited to hear what she has to say. Welcome to our podcast, Lauren Abrams. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. I like what you had. And for those who are just listening and not seeing the video, uh, you can't see this, but behind her is a sign that says 52 Weeks of Hope. We're going to get there in just a bit. But first of all, I have some preparatory matters to take care of. Uh, and that is, where are you right now? I always like to know where the person I'm talking to is physically located. We had someone who's physically located in Australia. I doubt you're going to top that, but I'm going to give you a shot. Yeah, if it was last week, it could have been in Europe someplace. But now I'm, I'm home. I'm in Los Angeles. Los Angeles. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, well I, I hardly ever go to Los Angeles. I don't know why. I always go east, never go west. But I am going west the end of this month to some convention in um, a Coronado Hotel. Coronado, the uh, uh, yeah, down yeah. there in San Diego. How yep. far is that from Los Angeles? It depends on traffic. <laughs> That's totally traffic dependent. But you can take the train, I guess. That still goes. Uh, two and a half hours. Okay. All right. I have no idea why I don't spend more time. Uh, right now, I'm actually in Florida. So, hey, we got both coast covered. Um, so, so I, again, we're going to get to the 52 Weeks of Hope. But I am always fascinated by people's stories. I, I would love to just be a collector of stories. I'm fascinated. I know my own story, how I, why I went to law school and then why I'm doing what I'm doing now. What, what is your story? Did you always want to be a lawyer? Oh my gosh, no. If you had told me I'd be a lawyer. Actually, when social media came out, people were like, first, and I had a boyfriend through high school and maybe early after that. And then he was like, first, he's like, you're alive? And then he was like, um, when they found me, and then he was like, and you're a lawyer? That was the main thing. People were like, you're a lawyer? Wait, hold on a second. You're alive? Yeah, so I'll tell you. So, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I disappeared for a number of years. So that was like people were in shock. And uh, I was not most likely to succeed in my high school class, that's for sure. And, um, and so, yeah, no. Did I always want to be a lawyer? No. And when I went to law school, and I will go back, it was I went because I got in. I was always going to go. I went to okay. UCLA undergrad and then USC. You said you were always going to go. So did no, you, when did you know you wanted to be a lawyer? Well, I got in. I got into a good law school. So that's what I, I went to UCLA undergrad, and I was always going to go to get my master's at USC okay. um, after. And I got into law school, and I applied for law school. Um, and I got in. It's a good law school. So I went. I, and even the whole time I was there, I was like, oh, I'll, get, I'll just go for my doctorate. I have a law degree. But I am, and I'm one of the few people still practicing. It's, I'm coming up for my 25-year reunion. <laughs> wow. And always loving what I do, helping others. It's, you know, like, no, I have no idea. My kids now are like, you have to declare a major when you apply to college. I'm thinking, I had my, everything just kind of unfolded for me. Nobody could tell me. To, I, I, although I know people, they always wanted to be a lawyer or a friend of mine. He always wanted to be a dentist and orthodontist. Right. He's just... And he is <laughs> like my husband always wanted yeah, to be in doing what he does and, and he loves it. So some people are really good at arguing. And so it's like, Hey, you would make a great lawyer. I'm thinking, is this an insult? Are you praising this person? Yeah. No, and I, in my, I am conflict averse in my personal life. Not, it has nothing to do with my being an advocate in my professional life, but no, not at all. Okay. <laughs> So you, you went so, to law school there at, at USC because 
they accepted you, so why, yeah. why not? But, but my story, really, I come from like, you know, regular, I'm from the East Coast originally, but I, um, I'm somebody like, when I, I barely graduated high school, I was the druggie and the alcoholic, like I was that girl. Really? And never went to, and didn't go to college. Yes, I know. You look at me now. I'm like, and uh, yeah, and I just bounced around the country. I was the only one in my family to not go to college. Everyone in my family goes to college. I was the only one to not go to college. And I was just in real, by the time I got to California, I had nothing. Nobody was talking to me. I was 83 pounds. I was in really, really bad shape, lived in like this abandoned house. I had nothing, nothing, nothing. So that's why when you said, you want my story? I was like, all right, I'll give you my story. And I know, I'm now old enough. I don't care, but I used right. to not tell anyone this. Yeah. Like now, like who cares? Who cares? I think people need to hear it. I mean, they need to hear yeah. people's story because we all have stories. We, it's like yeah. when, you, when you lie to your kids, that, oh no, I never messed up as a young person. You're hurting them. Oh, I You're messing up. Yeah. Yeah, no, and I had one uh, one associate who worked for me, and he just saw me as this Beverly Hills person. Everything's handed to me on a silver, and I was like, just ask me, you know, like, right. anyway, whatever. So, <laughs> um, you say you're East Coast, but you ended up going to USC. How did that happen? Well, okay, so then once I, you know, I really hit my rock bottom, and uh, I didn't see a way out, and I ended up in a rehab. And I'm one of those people really, really, really lucky. And I, I, especially with opiate scandals and everything that's come out in the decades since, that ever since I went to rehab, I got hope. Okay. And I was totally hopeless. I had nothing. I was, I was just nuts. Anyway, um, and I didn't see a way out. But I got hope that back way back then. And I slowly built a life. After a few years, I started going to college. I went to UCLA. Um, like I said, I went to SC Law School. Um, and I was going to go to the DA and I started before I got sworn in and everything. I was, you know, I, I was at the DA here and um, I started doing just a few cases. Just actually, I love being in court. So I was right. going around and um, I'd gotten married at that time. And uh, he's a lawyer and he, he was, he just passed away, unfortunately for my kids. And um, anyway, uh I was going to say last semester because it was my son's first semester of right, college. Right, right. And uh, yeah, so, and uh, it's my ex-husband, but he, um, I would go around to all his friends who were burnt out lawyers and be like, let me go to court for you. Let me go to court right. for you. And, um, and so I would take any trial, do anything for anyone while I was waiting. And I ended up getting a couple of cases and they were all employment, plaintiff's employment cases. And I didn't know what I was doing. And I would go to the law library and I'd study and a friend of mine who did that kind of law. She said, you should start your own practice. I said, I won't know what I'm doing. She said, nobody does. <laughs> and um, yeah, I ended up just really kind of hitting it big, really working hard and opening my practice. And just like I'd sit on a floor in somebody's office. I would do like I worked so hard and got great mentors. And I've been doing plaintiff's employment law for 25 years. All right. And any just recent, helping people. Any recent trends you've seen in employment uh, law that you want you want to mention? I'm always busy. People are like, you must be really busy. I'm always busy. I'm very, very careful about the cases I take. Um, you know, I mean, I don't take, I have, I have nothing to do with COVID. Like, I do not deal with, I don't get in the mix. Right, <laughs> like, right, right. it just, I just don't. And what for me, I closed my office 
uh, my lease finally ran out, that beautiful office space, I am thrilled. Who knew you could practice law without an office? Right. <laughs> Uh, it's the greatest thing. None so, of us miss it. If anybody's, if anybody's like, you know, I really want to have an office again, I'll be like, fine. But right, like, I'm so happy. No, it's yeah. I, I've been working from without an office now for about I don't know seven years or so, and I got to say, wow. I, I miss the office because now I know it's not productive, but I, and probably people avoided me. But I love stopping off at people's office. Just yeah, I couldn't talk. stand that. Yeah, I, I. I, my, my first office had a bunch of you, had a bunch of you. I just like, especially like I became a single mom pretty early on. And, um, and he gave me full custody. I had a two and a five-year-old. I went to work to work. I, I like, I didn't have time for lawyers stuff, stuff, but I would be nice. I'm very, I'm nice. So I didn't like, right, right. anyway. Yeah. Yeah. People would always be like chatting and <laughs> I never went to lunch. I don't go to lunch. People always like, let's go to lunch. I go, let's walk. I sit all day. Can we just walk somewhere? Like, I just sit. Okay. I sit now and look at a screen. So right. if we can walk and be outside, that would be the best, especially so 52 weeks of hope. So I started podcasting a couple of years ago, just on lockdown because people needed hope. And I did. I actually went through a real, you know what? This is interesting, if, especially if you have professionals that listen to this. Everything looked good from the outside, right? right? A few years ago, that's now more than a few, a lot. But I went through a really hard time financially, and I had no one to turn to, no one. And I got to where everything looked really good, but I didn't know how I was going to feed my kids for a while. I've got payroll, I've got mortgage, I've got all these people dependent on me, and it was it was just so hard. And a depot company sued me, which I was like, oh, my God, what's going to happen to my law? I've never been right. sued. What's going to happen to my law license in the state? I, I mean, I was really freaked out. And um, I was making minimum payments, too. And they still come back going, why aren't you using us? Like, Are you kidding? Um, but it was really hard because I make money in my, in chunks. I mean, my my clients are unemployed right. <laughs> or, you know, they're going through their stuff. Then so anyway, um, and I've since I've talked about this on LinkedIn and I've had doctors say, oh, I went through it, too. I mean, I found that I'm not the only one. I've talked to big executives who have started companies that said this almost didn't make it. Yeah, I mean, I'm not the only one that's gone through right. financial, but I felt such shame. I mean, that I couldn't that I was going through this. I it just it was my, it's my shame point still like oh what is what are people thinking of me which I know nobody's thinking about me nobody cares right, right. like you're listening to this and you're like so okay and they're going on with their life but when we have these things that we think about ourselves they're like uh um and and when I got through that because everyone gets through like the only way through is through and everyone gets through it and um I got through that. And I was, always, I'm always somebody who's always so grateful because I shouldn't even be alive. Like I right, right. people are like, you're alive. And so I'm always grateful. I'm always giving back. I'm always helping people like I was helped um, now decades ago. And um, I was like, what was that? Why are we here? And I, I kind of went on a soul search, like, why are we here? And I decided to ask a person a week of a much older demographic, just that question, like, what have you gleaned from living life? Okay. They say nobody, nobody on their deathbed ever wished they worked harder or right. made more money so i wanted to know like what tell me what have you learned and after and i started doing that i'm not like a diyer but that's for sure but it was my kind of diy right, right. and i started doing that just interviewing a person a week 
of elders for a year. And after two and a half months, there started being common themes. And I'm like, this is so rich. It's so good. I'm going to write one of those books where you open it up. You're like, that's just what I need to hear. Or you close it and you open it again. You're like, no, that's what I need to hear. And, um, and so I started doing this and then COVID hit and I pivoted because that's what we do in life. We pivot and I started podcasting and then I didn't just have to interview people in LA. I could interview anyone and I started interviewing change agents and leaders. And, and then over the last, after 52 weeks, it started healers, like all kinds of people. But what I did is I took the first 52 weeks episodes and because I ask everyone what's the hardest challenge you've overcome, how'd you do it and what's your message of hope. And I took the first 52 weeks episodes, messages of hope, and I compiled them into eight overarching themes and I call it the meaning of life. I'm like, I got it. I now know. <laughs> All right. Well, I got to know. And I'll, I want to get yeah. there, but I want to back up before I forget. You just mentioned okay. these interviews with these people where you asked them, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. hey, well, what is the secret of life? And you started with the premise of, no one on their deathbed said, I wish they worked more. I wonder, do we accept that as a given? I mean, do do some people wish they had worked more? I mean, I did not talk to anybody. Or maybe they um, they wished they had worked on what was important to them instead of what they were told they were supposed to do. Right. And they don't, then it doesn't feel like work. So I think maybe a lot of us are missing the point of work when we say, I wish we would. I, I kind of get the idea. You know, you're basically, you, you separate your work from your actual life. I wish people could like meld the two together more. So what you were like you 52 weeks of hope. Is that work to you? That's obviously a very positive thing you're doing. Yeah. I love it. All right. So what are some of the tips then that you learned about? Wait, I want to know how do you meld? So do you have any idea? How do you meld your work and your, I mean, I I was, uh, so my two brothers, um, it happened to them when they were, um, uh, out working for a while in, in the world, that they then just started don- donating their time, doing things for free. And all of a sudden, what they were doing for free, because that was their passion, people end up saying, well, I want to pay you for this, and I want you to start, I want to pay you for what you were already doing for free. And I thought, how cool would that be if we could actually be doing, getting, getting paid for what we were already volunteering our time doing? Not for them. It was it was church related, um, but you know that that would be kind of nice. So then I did that in my own life. What I like to do in my own life is make people happy, smile. I I love public speaking. If I could, when I spoke spoke to a crowd and and got laughter from it, I mean I haven't done drugs, but I assume that was like a high. I mean, I was just I would think about that for the next week. I'd wake up in the middle of the night thinking that joke actually landed. It worked. That's what I craved. My soul craved doing that kind of stuff. So now that's what I'm actually doing as a vocation. So I kind of melded the two together. Yeah. So that's, yeah. So, and thus your podcast. <laughs> exactly. And uh, and also when I go out and speak at conventions, um, you know, we, we talk to lawyers about continuing ed classes. It's just a way to do it and bring joy into their lives, which is also what I, what I would like to do. But, um, so when, when I'm talking to you, in 52 Weeks of Hope, you, you interviewed these people, you learned some things. I know they can go to your website and give you your podcast, 52 Weeks of Hope. And I saw your article on the meaning of life uh, or the, um, uh, the post you had on it. Give us a couple of ideas on what you learned about well, the meaning. And I think you just touched on it perfectly, what you're doing and what your brothers are doing. And the number one thing 
is um, we're not meant to isolate. We are meant to be in community. And you can't sit around thinking and hoping. So that's one thing. We are meant to be together. And texting is not going to make you feel better ever. You have to actually be around other people and talk and hear human voice um, and have that kind of connection. So you can't think your way into feeling better. You have to actually take action. Life's in session is another one. This is a life to be lived. Okay. And, um, and love and service is number, you know, community is one and love and service is um, another. Okay. Those are the top ones. So helping others and being there for other people and making them feel better or doing something for someone else. I've mentored other people for years and I never ever ever want to go do it I mean there was a girl in downtown LA that I helped just because I saw something on on a list one of my listservs saying hey these high achieving kids in downtown LA need some mentors and they've never met anyone who's been to college and I was like oh I'll right. do it and because I was like I, you know my kids don't want to hear it from me about it <laughs> so I was like oh somebody wants to listen to me okay not once do I want to sit in LA traffic, this is pre-COVID, and go. And every single time I feel better. I mean, she lived in a, an apartment that was so small. All four people in her family lived in one room. She never, you know, I mean, and she ended up getting full scholarship to a very good okay. school. So I watched her through 11th grade, 12th grade. I mean, I went, every, I never want to go. Um, I interview and I interviewed a um, an imam a Muslim imam. I expected him is my own ignorance. I didn't take any courses in religious right. religion, anything. Okay. And I expected him in robes right, and everything right. else. It's a great jihad, jihad Turk. He's a dad from Arizona. He looked like anybody, you know, but he said the number one way to get rid of um, any kind of bigotry against Islam um, or somebody who's a Muslim is to meet them. Right. And so he has, he goes and volunteers with the churches at, um, on holidays, giving out food to the homeless. And then they just start talking and all of a sudden it's a commonality and everybody, and now you have community and it's service. And I, I mean, I'm getting such an education through everything I'm doing. So your idea of melding different things is, is so directly on point. Plus it lights us up. It makes us feel better. No matter what you're going through, if you go do things like that, you're going to feel better when right. you leave. And you don't have to want to do it when you start. It's like gratitude. I do gratitude lists every single day. I don't have to feel grateful to do them, but by the time I'm done, I'm like, oh my gosh, I have such a full life. Right. What do I have? It, it's like what you focus on grows. If you want to look at the bad, that's what you're going to see. But if you look for the good, then... That's what you, so you mentioned um, uh, community, um, being living in community with other people. And you also mentioned um, uh, living a life of service. Uh, you learn these things from talking to these people. Yeah. These are the seekers to actually living a fulfilled life. Yeah. Uh, any any right. others you want to throw by us? Oh, yeah. Sure, sure, sure. Okay. The only way through is through. I love that. <laughs> There's no way. I believe me. If, I, if there was a way to dance around or jump around or not, you know, I've already tried that. I don't want to feel like I did right. that it, and I almost died. So that's, but the, we are a resilient species. The things that people have been through is unbelievable from the people I've interviewed. I mean, um, it really, and we are resilient. And we get through. And um, it's really amazing. A few weeks ago, maybe a month, I have no concept of time anymore. I feel like maybe it was two months. I don't know. But David Romanelli, his episode, I when I found out about him, he interviewed and has written three books on interviewing elders. I was like, oh, my God, we have to compare notes. What are his best? Yeah. And uh, so he, 
but he interviewed like way elders, 115 year old or, uh, okay. you know, like w much older demographic than even I did. But he talks about a joie de vie, a sense of humor that if you're still here, there must be a reason. So I'm going to enjoy right, it. Right. <laughs> so once we get through each of these things, it's like, don't like we're here for a reason. So to sit and waste our time or right. doing nothing like you're here. Everyone has a unique handprint. We're here for a reason. And so to do what somebody else tells you you're supposed to be doing and to be hold up in that instead of doing what you know you're called here to do like that's why i say life's in session go ahead so another one of the messages is whatever modality you feel called to some people do eft tapping i've gotten such an education on all of these things um yoga manifestation whatever it is that you feel called to it all works right. Right. all of it <laughs> Do your yoga, you know, whatever it is, like you don't have to go after the next shiny object, like what you feel called right. to works. So you just have a conversation recently with someone who was like trying to figure out what, what is God's will for me to do with my life? And I thought, I'm thinking you make that way more complicated than what it has to be. I think God cares less what you do and more how you do it. But more to your point, what you just said is like, look, God created you. And so if whatever your interests are, well, that's kind of what you should be doing because he, he's what he designed you. And yeah, what lights you up? It's not like he wants me to go, you know, be a doctor and deal with blood. I can't stand blood. That, that's not that doesn't interest me. Yeah, oh, no, no, no. I know, I know, I know. I'm like, I could never be a PI lawyer. Like, oh, right. <laughs> I don't want to hear the details. No, whatever lights you up. And if you're not sure what lights you up, Go and try different things. And you don't have to invent the wheel on any of it. It's all on YouTube or Google right. it or like, and you could create, I interviewed somebody, Matt Mills. I love his, his episode. He used to be in the entertainment industry and now he's doing what lights him up. You don't have to go to Africa for a year doing volunteer work like he right. did. But um, anyway, and he needed a community. So he just started a running group. He just, I don't know if it was Craigslist or what, but he just put something out there. Hey, I'm going to be running every day or every Saturday whatever it was at this time and now he has a group he's not selling anything he just runs with a group of people in santa monica at this time you know running's not your thing whatever your thing i don't care if you i don't know if people knit anymore if you're a knitter i, I have no idea that's definitely not me but you know you can just put it out there whatever it is once you take an action the universe comes up and meets you you want to do comedy you're now doing it like and then all your like your the, the stuff comes up all your fears will be like oh, what am i doing i can't do this just walk right. through them it's not real that's the imposter syndrome i've got all kinds of stuff i've on my website about that and just i've i've done episodes on it too like that's not real but it's part of the natural human process that that stuff is well, going to come up i know some people listening uh, are, are... I, at least I know I'm curious. I want to know what else you have to say. Where can people find you on the internet? Well, everything is at 52weeksofhope.com, the number 52. And um, every place that there's podcasts, right, we're, right. we're there. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I have a Facebook group where we talk to each other and it's a safe place to communicate also. And um no, I have an email list where I like to share what's going right, on with right. me and get and, and find out what's going now, on with I, you too. So I always like to know what's going uh, on. Before with I let you go, I, I am curious. Um, uh, how how do you see your future with the fifty two weeks of hope 
and the law practice. Some people would say they're the opposite. You know, they're 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 in two different paths. Do you think they're they're working together, or do you see maybe in the future you'll do more of one over the other? Well, I've been doing both for a couple of years now. Everything's still working, just working fine. I mean, I just try to help people. That's I, I go about everything with a service mentality, and and it works. So I mean, everything always works out. I think that's my number one message. All my friends nice. will tell you that's that's my mantra. Like it, it just work. works out. If I've been through so much, and like you just keep going, and it might not work out on your timetable or how you think it's going to, but it just it does. If we're alive, breathing, it, it, it worked out for us. We, we are doing all right. It's all good. Even I often I was having this conversation with a person recently. He's like, "What's the worst that can happen? I lose my house." All right, well, there's other housing out there. We'll get, well, I'll lose yeah. my job. I'll get another job. I mean, you know, it all is going to work yeah. out. So why right. be negative in the meantime? Exactly. So well said. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like what I, I like your your message. Uh, Fifty two weeks of hope is it's great. Uh, go check it out. And thank you so much. I hope we can have you on again in the future. It's been a great conversation. Thanks. You got to be on my podcast too. <laughs> Will do. It's, it's a date. Thanks so much. Okay. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five-star review. We need your love to help us continue highlighting the funnier side of the law. I want to give a special shout-out to our Vice President of Operations, Wendy Oster, without whom this entire operation would be a complete and utter mess. Sean Wynn and 15.5 Features for making me sound way better than I actually do. Brooke Bolin for our marketing efforts. And Ryan Kuhn and Paul Kuhn of Tri. Plus City Marketing for our technical and computer support.